Boom. Shake, shake, shake the room. Every podcast starts with some form of Out Here Brothers intro. Was <laughs> that Out Here Brothers again? Was it? Oh no, boom, shake, shake the room, somebody else. La, 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 hey, hey. I think Out Here Brothers only had one tune, no? No, man. Boom, boom, boom was the main tune that we've referenced in this podcast before, but there was, I think, la, 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 hey, hey. Was soon <laughs> that was the follow up. It's like I, I, there's, I don't know if there's the same tune, but it was B A B B A B O B A B K B A B A B O. If you wanna party, come move you. Yeah, I remember yeah, that. That was good. One. That was a good tune too. Is that not um, boom boom boom? No, it's not. Do you remember the time we sing a uh, boom 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 on the train coming back from the Melbourne Cup? I do, yeah. And then you tried to repeat it. You were chasing the dragon for about five years. It never happened again. <laughs> <laughs> to the point that you played it at your wedding yeah but that was good didn't you that came off well at the yeah. wedding I didn't sing it at the wedding tried to sing it at somebody else's wedding yeah just fell flat in its face it's like when you achieve these a... moments you achieve these moments <laughs> and they were just like you try to people, relive them again people don't realise what we're talking about here now so you'll have to explain to them just singing uh, we were on the, tr- the train home from the Melbourne Cup races in Australia once and uh, sang Boom 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 by the Out Here Brothers and it was one of those moments, I don't know, in my head anyways, it was a, <laughs> I think I reached my prime in that moment. Just the, 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 the whole the train, the whole train reached the same the level. But, but uh, it, was a, it was a call and response with you kind of at the center of it and the whole train kind yeah. of totally on board. Yeah. And I've tried to relive it in other settings ever since and usually just falls flat on its face. <laughs> I was telling somebody during the week there uh, we're talking Actually, about, even on that train everything after it fell pretty much flat it was just that one song like. yeah. but, uh, I was telling somebody during the week when the lads the, um, you know you always have you should always have one song obviously you're a musician so you have plenty of songs a little plug there selfless plug shout out Mark, Mark James but uh you should always have one song, it's particularly if you're from Ireland, you should at least have one song in your repertoire for sing songs. So for our non-Irish listeners, there's many occasions in Irish social settings where songs are sang. And it's always good to have at least one, ideally two. If you could have two songs and they're your songs forever. Yeah, and it's not even a bad thing to have your song and for people to know what your song is, you know, and then you get called upon. To, yeah, uh, sing that song. That's good, but I, I always think it's it's good to have two as well because you you could almost get to the point where, oh, there he goes again singing the Green oh, Field yeah, France for sure. I mean, the, uh, at the point in, in which these songs are sang, sang, sung, I don't think people are too concerned. Most it's usually, of the time about it's usually pretty late at night. Few few pints in. But so you know, what's, was, what's your point? You you. I was, we're talking about it during the week, just like, you know, sing songs or whatever the conversation was that I was telling about a time when... Is this at work or something? <clears throat> no, just one of the boys. So you're just saying, you know, you're having a good Irish song in your repertoire. And I was like, I don't really have any. You know, the one time I went to sing a song, everyone was singing like, you know, Irish songs and, and, and good old folk songs or whatever. Then I went to sing Master Plan by Oasis. <laughs> and then... Uh, 
I remember starting and I got really like I, in my head I used to think you know that first part like take the time to me I used to think that <laughs> in my head you know we were talking about resonance through the jawbone in my head I thought oh I was pulling that off and I remember just as I was like take the time to make some and then somebody goes for fuck's sake <laughs> and just killed my confidence I couldn't finish the song that was into that that was into that but uh yeah how are we doing the uh how do you introduce yourself you know as where, like, where uh, was that where was that uh that was actually back at a house party in ennis in the west of ireland so yeah but uh what do you mean say, how do i introduce myself well i'm now a dad so i well i don't know if i use that in my introduction eric dad jujitero that's what the, the, the part i was interested about it was like you know the way we we do jujitsu and we it's always like a bit convoluted it's like oh i'm a jujitsu practitioner or i i do jujitsu or jujitsu uh, player you know, or jujitsaka jujitsaka is the most awkward is, uh, yeah but what about jujitero it's the portuguese for somebody that loves jujitsu so could you change your twitter profile to mark phd candidate Jujitero. <laughs> it comes with an accent, does it? I think I... Was yeah. it has to, yeah. <laughs> well, you go ahead with that and see how you get on for <laughs> back to me. Yeah, just in social settings. I, Eric, Jujitero. <laughs> but it is this thing, it's like, you know... It is awkward, yeah, it definitely is. Or, like if you're a, a stoic, you know... How, how can you know in this day and age if you, if you read stoicism or if you practice stoic stoic traits it's a it's a bit of a stretch to call yourself a stoic is it like i i feel like it's almost like you have to be called that do you know what i mean it's, by someone else i don't know yeah because you could refer to yourself to... as a christian or a muslim or but yeah these these more well then again if you have political denominations you can quite comfortably refer to yourself under those terms yeah stoic i suppose you could i mean there are say well there's certainly philosophers out there that are with quite well they are stoic philosophers but i suppose well yeah it's a good point because maybe i wouldn't refer to them as stoics no, as well i think you can do stoic it I think, scholars yeah. i think you can do it it's just you you feel a little bit I suppose it depends on the situation, doesn't it? Which which all of these things probably do. It's just a lot of them come up maybe more often. Because mm. if you're in a philosophical setting or, you know, you, you were kind of drawn certain sorts of lines, I would refer to myself as comfortably in certain situ- situations as an, an activist. But it's only when that actually means something, you know. Yeah, well, otherwise you're going to have... Uh-huh. <laughs> But maybe it's the same as true because maybe it's, it's just more common to hear, I don't know, socialist, capitalist, whatever the case may be, because those terms are more familiar. So people can easily identify themselves as such. Mm. Yeah. Well, anyway, so since our last chat, I'm now Eric <clears throat> Dad. Shouts out, little baby. Eric Dad, stoic, jujitero. <laughs> husband, so dad, husband dad, brother, I, son. Yeah. You talked about something interesting, like the day after I've thought about it a bit since the day after the, the arrival, um, you know, this, this kind of 
having been transported almost through a portal within which your identity just gets, one gets pulled out from the other end, another gets kind of sedimented upon you. Yeah. You know, that, that feeling of having gone through some sort of shared ritual. Yeah. I described it as, um, if you've ever been to a music festival and, and not slept for, you know, you, you you start in the one day, you go through the whole night and you go on the next day and you you have this kind of weird uh, time frames differently. Right. Uh, you know, time gets all messed up and your time becomes meaningless almost at a music festival to a point. You know, obviously there's still day and right, night, right, but like right. depending on the setting or whatever, it kind of, and it, for me, it was a very similar experience. And the first thing I should say is baby and mommy are doing well. So it went excellently. And uh, Which hospital were they? Uh, was it in? Was it in Edmonton? No, man. Just up the road here. Fort St. Oh, John okay. Hospital. Shout out. Shouts for, out Fort St. John. <laughs> you give out shout outs to hospital staff, but they're excellent. This place is actually set up for babies. It's like a baby factory. It's like the... Most amount of babies <clears throat> per capita in for Canada. real, yeah, and most amount of blue skies. So, what are the enabling constraints on this uh emergent phenomena? I think there's a lot of babies, probably. My guess would be because there's a lot of people up here working, so and I don't want to be gender specific, but there'd be a lot of men working in in oil and gas and I suppose they have a lot of families a lot of babies and they have money as well I guess yeah so um, yeah so just going through that experience at the hospital was great everything went well yeah just it was a surreal thing you know obviously I was an observer generally you know I'm not you know I'm just there for support and uh, just going through that, the, 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 this mad myriad of, of uh, emotions and, and ritual with my wife and with the, mm. the, the, the doctor and nurses, you went through this mad, surreal, emotional experience. Mm. And, and then it was like, you know, you started off before the contractions, you go through everything, you come back then and you, on the other side of it, you're kind of back to normal, you know, for the actual delivery itself like the room becomes more populated up to that point it's just you uh, your wife or your your partner and a nurse so the nurse is just mm-hmm. helping you through the early stage then for that like the actual delivery there's maybe three or four more people the doctor a couple more nurses so the room gets full then the baby arrives and then everybody leaves again and you're left with this additional person <laughs> and it's just like it's wild yeah in this small making humans time. just making humans but uh, yeah, so that's what I was telling you about. Just like, yeah, on, on the, the start of the day, I was this, you know, just person in the world with no major responsibilities, you know, except to myself and to my wife and, you know, to my family. And But, you know, nothing of note. But then a few hours later, I have to help keep this, this person alive. And it's like, <laughs> it's like... You know, and guide them through the world. You have this mad amount of responsibility. And it's a cool feeling. Different feeling, but a cool feeling. Yeah, so like my whole Id- identity changed, if you, li- if, if you like, uh, in, in the space of a few hours. Yeah, well, well. That's interesting because I was actually um, writing about that very recently in my thesis where 
like you know we talk about small gradual changes a lot and you know they're obviously much more common but you can have these occasions where there's almost a rupture or you know something something at a very short time scale an event has this kind of a you know massive cons- consequences for actions that are much more distributed I, I i had an example that might be interesting actually i remember years and years ago i was i was kind of into meditation for years i think i you know i kind of the first meditation i did was when i was quite young maybe 15 or so and i was like falundafa and you know i did it maybe once a week or twice a week so and i always had kind of leanings in that direction i was always a bit mystical or whatever, interested by those ideas. and um, Mystic. There's your one. PhD, mystic. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, I was, uh, I remember listening to this book by this skeptic at the time. And in the course of a few hours, it, it was an audiobook. It, it utterly convinced me of the skeptical position and kind of disabused me of my spiritual commitments. And uh, over the course of the next two days, I kind of watched myself reorganize and it was very interesting. So I had this kind of two very pronounced types or styles of experience. One where I was observing things that I had done and participated in the past that reflected my previous behavior and feeling really embarrassed and ashamed by them and kind of been like, Oh, I wouldn't, you know, why, why did I do? And, you know, almost cringing. And then simultaneously coming to mind a lot of, um, say, projections into future possible scenarios, either based on, you know, the previous scenarios or just kind of random scenarios where I was now imagining how I would show up to that scenario. You know, and it was like, I wasn't doing it. It was like, I just find myself thinking about these things intensely, intensely about three or four days. And then I'd find myself in situations that I'd somehow kind of modeled previously. And, you know, the behavior would just show up as if it was mine, you know? Mm. So it's like this uh, kind of radical reorganization because of this particular insight, say. And I'm sure, you know, having a baby or, you know, you know, some radical event that all of a sudden kind of pulls the ground from under you and kind of resituates you has that kind of reshaping effect or reconstituting effect that enforces these three organization, right? It's, it's, not, it's a habit of sorts or it's a process of what I've called inhabiting, right? It's this kind of bringing forth of this novel structure within this kind of milieu within which it exists, but it um, has much more significant consequences than say the mere establishing of a. Mm, interesting. Did you find that say like, you know, novel, say, resonances emerge where you have this different identification with things in your environment now that you mightn't have previously? I'd have to think about it. Right, well, when someone says dad or father or talks about fatherhood, for instance, has it taken on, well, presumably, that's yeah, yeah. the obvious note. Just uh, to be honest with you, so early, you know, I've just been locked down in the house for two weeks. <laughs> so you don't know <laughs> what you resonate with. Uh, uh, we're getting, you know, I'm sure that I'm sure as I go out into the world, I've met a few people, obviously I've been to a couple of jujitsu sessions and stuff and people are talking about it, but yeah, definitely. Do you know what? It's actually interesting. 
people are telling me baby stories now and I care more. <laughs> right, right. That's exactly what I mean. That's you know, exactly what I mean. Like, oh, it's funny. Now, now I'm interested about like what weights uh, babies were when they were born. Like <laughs> before, before I'd be like, I'd be just like, yeah, 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 that's, yeah, yeah, that's yeah, cool, that's cool. And, and then like, oh, big well, I, you know, I would have been partly interested, you know, obviously if you heard about a baby. Yeah, if it was like, a freakish way. Or, you know. <laughs> heard about a baby the other day, one of our cousins, uh, husband's 13 pounds. Jesus. So yeah, the those things send out. But then you know, light babies, heavy babies, but any babies in between, I was like, oh, but now I'm genuinely interested in every baby's weight and all baby <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Feed yeah. time. How does that go? Or you know, any any techniques for nappy changing? Right, right which right. things I definitely didn't care for. You know, yeah. ten days ago, we talk about uh, we talk about that and say when a, an active frame has um, been selectively open, right? So. All of a sudden, uh, you have, say, sedimented these new structures, which is an identification with, say, fatherhood, if you were to put a name with it. And now that becomes, you know, disposes you to be sensitive to your environment in ways that allow you to maintain that kind of a sense of yourself. So all of these things all of a sudden manifest as salient, whereas other, you know, previously they still existed and were salient for other people, but they stood somehow in the background. Mm. Yeah, interesting. I don't know, dry January, didn't mention that before, but now in February, I've had a couple of beers, but a lot less than I would have done before. So that's probably a good thing. I think with, that's going to be the case now with the baby, just you, you won't have the opportunity to, and you won't care for it as much, you know. But I uh, didn't dry January, but I, I was interested because we, we talked about like New Year's resolutions before and stuff. So interested to hear your thoughts on. I found myself when I was off the beer for the month, finding myself eating more chocolate because I thought, mm. uh, oh, I earned it. Look at me, I'm off the beer. You know? Right. So I'm not trying to beat myself up about that, but it's like, is that, is that kind of falling down? The, the, you know, when you talked before about, you know, New Year's resolutions and things and the, the fragility around some of these things, is that, is that interlinked with that? Or is that, you know, how, how do you, stop yeah, doing yeah. something else when you're you know you're doing good on one thing and then you're trying to you say oh i've earned it now so you do something else that you wouldn't have done previously that's an interesting question it, it, it speaks to that idea of the cascades that we talked about before you know the behavioral cascade and the kind of just general interdependency of the ecology right because something like that doesn't make a whole lot of sense within certain lens or through certain lenses but through the kind of lens we've been trying to build here makes a lot of sense. Do you do do you normally think about a few beers as a kind of reward? Probably, yeah. So my my take on that would be right. So you have this identity that has a kind of network of habits, say that has this self-generating norm or self-sustaining norm, which is, says um, something along the lines of if I work, I I'm deserving of some sort of reward. Therefore, I need something to satisfy that. So, right, even if you get rid of the beer, it still finds an outlet. It still finds a kind of a way to reproduce itself. Mm. The take there will be, well, if it's something you value, which maybe you should, or, you know, not too much wrong with a few beers or a bit of chocolate. The, uh, the, have you had the Oreo dairy milks? Have I had them? Oh, man. 
Uh -huh. Disaster. Good luck. I think that's the disaster. issue. The audio dairy mix just monstering them down. Like, like you're picking them up in the shop, like anytime you go to the shop kind of thing, or you just yeah, buy a big pack? Yeah, yeah just destroying them. Or <laughs> <laughs> your dairy milks is that not two different companies all of a sudden uh i think it might be but ah oh, stop the lights shout outs to dairy milk oreos they're they're in the shop if you can get your hands in them and get your hands in them <laughs> just I've saying never, just I've saying. never heard you giggle in that fashion before ah, That's like, about, especially about chocolate unreal are they yeah in my opinion yeah, you're probably tired too now with the baby, you know, all that kind of stuff becomes much more salient where you're like a bit of a pick me up. Oh, that's one of the things, yeah. It's easy, yeah. When you're when you are more that. tired, you may you make worse uh, food choices. But it's still pretty yeah. good. Like I do, you know, we haven't talked about it before, but I've you know, generally do a lot you know, time restricted feeding and eating and whatnot and to to a point and I kind of managed to keep that up but I've managed to keep moving even with the baby, you know, I wasn't doing this I took a week off from jujitsu and stuff, but the dog needs walking still, so I'm still managing to bring him out for for jogs and whatnot. Yeah. But definitely, when you're more tired, your 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 lifestyle choices become poorer for sure. That's, that gets to the that notion of you remember well downward spirals, obviously, but you know the relationship between action and frames. And uh, there's a nice notion actually that's relevant. Well, it's basically the same thing, but maybe it's a in certain occasions a, a more useful framing. So I was listening to a philosopher, psychologist, uh, John Vervaki talking about what he talks about reciprocal narrowing. So the idea is that say you have a beer and the beer results in the kinds of say conditions, physiochemical conditions that make you more likely to have a beer. And there's a kind of narrowing right towards the, the salience of certain things becomes more relevant and you can kind of spiral down. And then he talks about reciprocal opening, which is effectively the inverse of that. So what he's but, saying there, well, simplify that for, for me. If you so have one beer, you're likely to have another one. Well, you get tired and yeah. And then you, you have a beer, right. And it results in a, say a physiochemical state within which you're less likely to make, good decisions around drinking beer so you have another beer so you know you're hungover for instance now obviously this is not always the case right but it's 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 the kind of dynamic that can lead to say addiction over time or whatever not to natural risk of addiction but um it's like well, at, what at is risk of addiction kind of, to oreo bears just oh, it sounds like you might be actually <laughs> you come you come to visit us and you just like in the door and you just see like just Oreo bars everywhere, wrappers everywhere. <laughs> You'd been hiding it from me. <laughs> stacking up behind you there in the closet. <laughs> yeah, so one thing just on that, I know we want to talk about it uh, in this episode and we'll maybe we won't go too deep on, on much in this episode, maybe besides this point, just to, to get ourselves back on track. I know next week, or should I say the next time we do this, we want to do a bit of a, a catch-up on some of the EQ behavioral design elements that we've touched on. I've had some good feedback from people and, and some of the feedback has been, you know, 
a little uh, little refresher required on some of the concepts that we've talked about. So we're going to do that the next time. But this time, like we're talking about habits and, and we're talking about dry January and things like that. Do you want to talk a, a bit about twenty the 21 day, what's the 21 day rule or 21 day habits? Or Do you want to talk a bit about that in this one? Yeah, well, it's probably like say people have um. Well, this maybe I'll say two things here because they're both relevant and they're relevant to the Grony Yogi thing I've been doing too. So, you know, we're in February now, right? People are <laughs> probably falling off whatever it was that they committed to, or if they're not, maybe they're struggling a bit. There's a nice notion. I'm still trying to theorize it, and I haven't really got my head around it 100. percent But I have some ideas that I won't share yet. But they kind of uh say popular term for it is this notion of the dip i think it was some business author maybe seth godin or someone who coined this term when talking about behavior change right after say a month even if you've done (laughs) even if you've successfully done that you tend to experience this dip where your motivation starts to wane substantially and you um start to meet a lot of resistance. Uh, even if, say, you're still not hammered at, at, at kind of full capacity. And um, I've certainly experienced a bit of that, right, where the challenge all of a sudden uh, seems to increase, right? You start to recognize, well, this change I'm making is is for the longer term. And there's something about that kind of, that, that app- apprehension kind of really been realized you know where your identity starts to recognize that it has to make a shift that it maybe wasn't expected to make now i use it and you know kind of anthropomorphize these things but it's especially just saying there's there's some sort of structure there it's kind of reproducing itself and um yeah it it feels like uh you know this sense of struggle increases and everything else but my own experience with it and we I, I did actually talk a little bit about this last time i think was yeah just open up to it and be curious with it and actually just acknowledging that it's going to happen right and feel it i suppose a bit like the breakers you know where you're getting out you've been in the ocean it's not too hard right it's um you're you're surfing and uh you're paddling out through the first small waves and that's that's fine right that's the first month that's the propagation phase but then you start hitting the waves that are a bit more challenging and all of a sudden you're thinking maybe i should go back to shore maybe i should go back to shore but i suppose the kind of a acknowledgement there is that you know on the other side of the breakers there's some sort of open ocean right so if you make it through the dip uh, you tend to have a bit more success. So there, I think the the stats are something, you know, the stats kind of bear this out. 90% of people who fall off gym memberships, 90% of people who set up gym memberships, gym memberships fall off them within the first month. 90% of people who hang in there beyond the second month, I think so, like the transition into the third month or so, I will actually stay reasonably committed throughout the rest of the year kind of thing. Mm. So I think that's good to keep in mind for people who are doing resolutions. But yeah, one thing I wanted to say about the, the, the kind of habit thing, and maybe this will lead us into back into a conversation about jujitsu too, is that 
the there's a lot of kind of ideas around there like you know it takes 21 days to form a habit it takes 60 days it takes whatever the case may be and right there's some there's an obvious sense in which repetition uh is is useful or helps stabilize habits and right there's all sorts of neurochemical processes that are becoming say more interwoven in a sense and the kind of structures that um that manifest therein become more well delineated and, and kind of a the boundaries become say better sedimented but my 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 take on that is that you know a habit can em- emerge in an instant right if it's the right habit and it's the right conditions right or if it's the right activity and some habits might never emerge regardless of the the amount of days that you kind of re- try and reproduce them for they might never emerge in the sense that you kind of want them to take up this almost automaticity or pre-reflective yeah uh, so even if you're doing the whole time they're still kind of forced versus being habitual Right. And I had a good example of this recently and it, and it speaks to the, you know, the kind of concerns of, of the podcast too, uh, where I was down in the house in Tipperary doing some writing and someone, well, the guy who owned the house before they left were just, you know, setting me up kind of thing. And they asked me if I wanted a hot water bottle and I hadn't used a hot water bottle since I was a kid. I was like, Go on, <laughs> I'll try it. Why not? And the house was quite cold, right? And my room was upstairs in this very cold place. And I put, you know, did the hot water bottle, put it in the bed, and instantly a habit was formed. You know, I didn't have to convince myself the following evening. It was just because it was such a good adaptation to the conditions that were present, the coldness of the be- the bed and the room and everything else. Mm. There was no effort on my behalf, right? It was just, this is obviously a sensible practice under these conditions. And I think that gets back to the conversation we've had before. And I know you want to talk a bit about it with regards to jujitsu, about the native behaviors, right? If you're sensitive to what it is that you're kind of operating within and what the kind of present conditions are there, you know, you can introduce stuff that's more likely to sediment more easily, if you will. So did you find yourself then uh, each night just auto- automatic mode filling the hot water bottle? Yeah, well, not in this. I mean, it requires a bit of like, where's the hot water bottle and whatever. But yeah, it wasn't like, oh, I have to fill the hot water bottle, right? Yeah, 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 like, yeah, yeah, yeah. But oh, again, it was only under those conditions. Bottle. So like you come back to your house now back in Dublin and there's no hot water bottle. There's no, yeah, there's no hot water bottle. And yeah, there's an interesting question there about something what you might talk about in terms of portability, right? How uh, habit structure kind of decouples from the immediate structures within which it arises and then gets portable. And in some sense, that's what you're looking for for certain types of habits and certain types of practices. But, you know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I hear you. Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, we were talking before about you talked in the last episode about like native behaviors. You know, you're using the analogy of the garden. You've like native species to the garden. If you're going to take on a new habit or or something new, the easiest thing to do is to determine what it is, and if it's it's more likely to take root if it's native to your uh, existing 
behavioral ecology. And we talked offline about that and we're talking about in a jujitsu setting, you know, how, how that could apply. And we're saying, right. you know, we talk about games and, and people's games. You know, we talk about my game, very basic oriented. You know, uh, and I know people will talk about omoplatas and go-go platas and whatnot. And omoplata has been basic move. But for me, it's just not. <laughs> I just... <laughs> I, I, you will never hear the words Eric and Oplata in the same sentence. Uh, so I was like, yeah, when you see these new techniques at a class or whatever, and you see them done by your professor, coach, whatever, you know, you kind of immediately, you can look at them and you can say if that's a native, you know, for want of a better term, a native uh, technique to your existing, existing game ecology, if you like. Uh, yeah 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 i think that's a, a really good insight like because i think yeah. that's precisely what it is isn't it? it is and you know that's what you're doing and outside the so in the jiu-jitsu world you see that you go you see a technique got now that that doesn't fit in my game it's unlikely to take root you know I'll, I'll definitely obviously go through the motions here and I'll, I'll try and listen up for for class but it's it's not going to it's not going to take up root right and yeah, like you're saying, I'd say, you know, that, that's what applies in the outside world too. Like you're saying with these behavior, if something's like totally untoward, maybe you could still do it, but it's going to be a harder, harder effort and it's likely to fall off. I wonder like when you think about jujitsu training and there's all these kind of like approaches to jujitsu and, and things like that, you know, it's unless you're, I suppose the, the difficulty is you're always in a group setting. So you kind of have to do that. Like you know, you have to go through because that will, that type of uh, technique will be good for somebody, but it mightn't be good for somebody else. If you were just in a private setting, you could immediately right. know that, oh, well, this isn't for me and just let's move on to the next one or these are the types of moves I want to work on. Mm. Yeah, and there's probably always that kind of capacity for, you know, interleaving knowledge where something emerges that you weren't familiar with and that has some generalizability to something that is part of your game or whatever. Mm. I heard uh, the guys on the Mental Models podcast talking about if they were, he was talking about something similar in terms of like how does he know when to introduce something or something as part of his game. And he said he just has a basic heuristic like first of all, is it um, is the alignment of it, say, sound, right? So is bass posture structure been properly manifest with this technique if not he just discards it altogether and says right it's not something that i'm yeah. going to make part of my game if it is then he says well is it suited to my personal attributes and will it work within my existing game kind of thing mm. and yeah i suppose that's just been sensitive to that game ecology mm. that kind of personal game ecology yeah yeah the uh well, yeah, I suppose like with this episode, we're not going to go too deep in anything. We should probably touch base on what we're we're going to do next time around. Like we said, we're going to talk about the eco behavioral design. There's some now we've kind of the habits have started forming. Again, anybody we, we'll we'll give some plugs at the end of this episode shortly on the uh, where to find all this information. But everything is kind of generally working today. The little tweaks we've made are working. Just had the baby. So getting back settled now next week onwards for me is kind of getting back to to as normal as will be for the next little while. And we're uh, 
we're going to start introducing some new things. So we've touched on these things before, but you, you mentioned they're going to start forming part of the game. Things like visualization. We're going to talk a bit more about that. What's the other words you use? Aphantasia. <laughs> no, no, hang on. That was something I wanted to talk about. So that's, uh, yeah. So what we're going to talk, yeah, we're going to t- talk about, say, how can Eric maximize his available time off the mat to serve him while he's on the mat and you know we go through some say kind of advanced learning practices there that will be really helpful i think to anybody listening because they're just so generalizable but um (laughs) the aphantasia i wrote down because um i just realized today i have a condition well a condition not a condition i suppose it's a it's a a mode and it's called aphantasia. Do you? So here's the question. Well, you just okay, I'll, I'll give you, you've got aphantasia. Give us some context here. What's going on? Right, right. I'm gonna yeah. I'm gonna give you the context. This might be a bit of crack. So I'm gonna ask you to imagine. All right, close your eyes. Right. Close your eyes and imagine a ball on a table. Yeah. Now imagine you walking up to that ball and someone else is there at the table or walking up to the ball and table. And then you ask them, can you push the ball off the table? Can I push it or can they push it? Can they push it? Yeah. Right. Okay. You can open your eyes. (laughs) No follow up questions. So what color was the ball? Black and white. <laughs> I definitely have something. What color was? It? What kind of table was it? Wooden. What happened with the ball? Nothing, because I I just asked the question, but I never knew there was a follow-up action. Who was the, who was the person? You, man or woman? Me. Yeah. What was I wearing? Was I wearing anything in particular? Or? No. It was just balls was naked. naked. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, no, you're you. In my head, we were young. We were in our old house back in the day, six moons in the could kitchen. You see, wooden could table, these, were, were ball. these images manifest for you? Like, could you see yeah. these images? Yeah. See, here's the thing: aphantasia. People don't have images in mind, and I just learned today that. Everybody has images in their head <laughs> that I don't have. I don't have images. What do you have? I don't have I've, uh, thoughts. I don't have images. But what, I have thoughts what, what, what's in terms your of thought manifestos? Language. I never. I don't even know what people are talking about when they say they have images come to mind. Now, if I if I'd like really try, I can almost bring an image, but I, I just have a feeling of it, right? So when I was doing that. I have this feeling of a table and a ball. What's a table feel like? It feels like a table. <laughs> there's no image though. There's like there's no detail. You know, so what's there? It's it's impossible. It's impossible. So you, right, right. If you, you, it's language. So if you couldn't speak English, what do you what do you picture? It's it's it's. Well, if I couldn't speak English, I'd be my feeling of being present with someone. Your feeling of being present with someone. Well, all these things are feelings anyway, right? They're just feelings that manifest in certain forms. 
like there are contrasts and distinctions that have kind of emerged in, in consciousness and sedimented as habitual. So when I ask you the same questions, things. what picture is the, what color is the ball? You'd be like, there's no color. I know, I've no color, no color in the ball. <laughs> <laughs> so no color in the ball, no person. Could you not no, feel like... like I, I'd, I'd have, maybe like, have I suppose you could feel like it was a soccer ball and then you'd have a picture, a color that was associated with a soccer ball, no? Yeah, like our I tennis like ball. A, a feeling that it was a big ball and I was like, it's kind of maybe, maybe it feels like a kind of soccer ball, basketball type thing. That was my feeling. And then I just had a, like, a feeling of a, a table kind of floating somewhere. But there was no, there's no image like. Right. And then people were describing how they have like a, you know, if they close their eyes and imagine someone that they can have a very detailed depiction of that person. I'm like, what? <laughs> I don't know what that's about. That's hilarious, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah. I only think in, in uh, images. What? But like, if I was thinking about language, I'd be thinking in pictures or like images of the language. So, so you don't have an ongoing narrative in your head, like talking to yourself. I <laughs> uh, hear, man. You want to go to the old doctor, I'd say. You, you don't have a narrative. You don't have any narrative. Oh, like some fella just whispered in my ear going. No, no, you just, you're just talking. Like words are coming to your mind and your words and then another word going to, and then you're, you know, it's an, and then none of that. Oh yeah, there is that. There is that, yeah. Yeah. Because some people don't. Some people have no narrativization whatsoever. And just have images. Yeah. Interesting. So what's that got so to like, so <laughs> it, it, it doesn't it doesn't have it because we were talking about visualization. I thought it'd be funny. Because like when we're you know, when I talked about visualization before, clearly So, so you visualize full feel. grasp. Yeah, yeah. I didn't have a full grasp on maybe how other people are visualizing because maybe people are like making this picture and that's, of course not what I mean. that's not what I mean at all. It's, it's a feeling, right? It's like, no, but uh, you, it's you know. sports. If you're ever doing visualization, for so if I visualize an arm bar, I put myself in that. If I close my eyes, I put myself in a situation where I have been before. So I'm imagining on okay, the, do it, do it, do it there now. Do it. All right. I close my eyes. So all right, visualize an arm bar. So I'm imagining myself on the mats in my, in my gym. I'm imagining, I don't have a face necessarily. I could put a face on the person, but I'm just imagining closed guard and get my grips on the sleeve and the collar. Depends on the air bar I'm doing. Uh, does, I, I, okay, can, let me ask a question there now. So does that already have some details? Like what color was the gi? Yeah, so the gi was white. Oh yeah, I'm definitely, I don't have any. Because like I can feel all of that and I have a sense of like, oh, and but there's no like... Is it white? Is it? It's. It's. It's not no, anything. Like it's it just, need. I needn't have them colors too. But I, I just. For me, it's just like it's almost like using uh, previous experiences to build this new visualization, and those previous experiences have colors and images in them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's interesting though, because uh, you know, you know, the, the the kind of standard take is that you know what we're doing is representing our our world in our in our consciousness that. You know, somehow we take in through the uh, sensory apparatus um, details that then manifest as a representation, which we somehow represent to ourselves 
Um, whereas the inactive approach is different and says we're kind of more in direct contact with the world and there's no real need for representation. And, you know, the aphantasia seems to, um, oh, I'd have to think. So about are that. you a, an aphantasist? <laughs> I stick that down on the Twitter handle now, yeah. Yeah, there but, we go. So we go full, full circle. <laughs> Mark, right, well, PhD, Jujitero, a fantasist. <laughs> uh, right. right so, uh, we want to do a little bit of wrap up. So let's finish with some logistics. The, uh, well, do you, want to, do you want to share people with the, you know, what they kind of, the route ahead is? All right. Is so the route ahead. No. So yeah, obviously this life will settle now. Babies back in, get back to normal, all that kind of stuff. Stick up with the training, keep up with the training, keep up with <clears> this potty. The, uh, I just bought a flight yesterday to get me from Ireland to Spain for the Masters Worlds International Competition, which is a warm-up competition I'm using in advance. What am I calling it? Masters Worlds. The European Masters International Competition is on in May. and I bought his plane ticket to get me there from Ireland because I've been home in Ireland for a few weeks. So I'm going to jump over there to Barcelona, do that competition, and that's one of the lead-up comps I'm going to use for the Masters Worlds in August. So that's one thing we're prepping. So yeah, hopefully, I suppose we could share with this, uh, with qualification that we haven't any flights booked nor have we any entries made. But the plan, all going well, is that you will finish your PhD and you will come over and man and dad will come over and we'll have a, a holiday together. Me, my wife, my baby, you celebrating the finishing of your PhD, doctor, doctor, a fantasist, <laughs> man. Uh, we, we, we'll catch up in uh, California. We'll do some jujitsu somewhere for a week. It's the last bit of the training camp following on from what I'm doing up here. Then we'll head to Vegas, enter the competition, take home the gold, Straight to Burning Man. Straight to oh, Burning wow. Man. <laughs> no, I won't be going to Burning Man, but you might, you might be going to Burning Man. You could have some deep conversations there, man, around the fantasism and, <laughs> sure, uh, and sure. identification with experiences, sleepless nights job. But uh, yeah, so that's, that's, that's the plan ahead. Anything you want to add to that? We'll, like you say, we'll catch up next, next time and, and kick this back off proper on, on, on our eco-behavioral design. Do some shout-outs there for your... Uh, I know we, people are starting to get in contact. I think we make things hard for everybody. So eco-behavioral designs on Instagram. It's a, it's a page designs, for... Instagram. What's that? eco-behavioral designs. Add eco-behavioral designs on Instagram. It has links to the game... Uh, dashboard, KPIs, primary material, anything related to this podcast, you can find on links there. But if you want to get in contact with you, are you happy to share with your, your Twitter handle in a more kind of Yeah, yeah, because so a few people have reached out to me from that. So that's um, at Mark M. James. And uh, if you prefer to give me an email, it's ecobehavedesign at gmail. Ecobehavedesign. Yeah, so I got rid of the behavior, so it's easier for people of all stripes to touch base with. All right, so that's how you get in contact. And I uh, just said, uh, when I said we maybe do a little shout outs, looking at the stats, it's fun, fun on, on the potty. You look at the maps of the world. So I'm just going to pick some random states and 
countries just to give shout outs to people and obviously greatly appreciate everybody in Canada and Ireland. They're the obvious homes of us and, and our localities. And it's really good that people are listening, but uh, shout outs to whoever's listening in Pennsylvania. Uh, my, my, my people, whoever, however you came across. So little, little shout out to you guys. Uh, however you've come across us, if you uh, want to get in contact and just let us know how you came across us. <laughs> just, That's uh, a indicative of the fact that we've got one download in Pennsylvania. <laughs> we've we've not put anything into marketing this. It's all word of mouth. And we appreciate the fact that this, I put one thing on Reddit just saying we had this potty. Uh, so that might be where it's come from. But we've generally, we've not put any marketing into this. This is like we say, an effort that we're doing anyway. People want to spread the word we appreciate that if you're getting something from it yeah yeah we definitely appreciate um if people marketing. were willing to share it and you know retweet or hashtag or whatever the case if may you be like it give the old five the five stars on a podcast it seemed to be what people ask for i don't know does it give you yeah, a, yeah. A, a, it reaches a greater audience i don't know and Any the people else? who have asked questions yeah that's what we're going to do um an issue yeah, we're still we're still collecting those questions, and we'll throw them into an episode. Anyway, getting some decent decent questions actually. I'm enjoying them; they're making me think a little bit. So that's good. That's what it's all about. Righty, all. Let's wrap it up. All right, dude. Bye, de bye. Do we say like love you? Because it's brotherly shit. No, no. say that today. <laughs> we say we say to love you to the last episode. I'm 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 convinced within a year we can get uh, just spontaneously saying it to us, just randomly. Yeah, think about the uh, the habituate the the kind of perturbations to the <laughs> habitual <laughs> dynamics there. <laughs> I, ciao, love you. <laughs> you too, man. You too.